This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. From Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 644, and we are joined today by Dr. Alice. And we asked Dr. Alice, how do you want to be introduced? She said, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then she's like, well, Merseyside skeptics and then <laughs> skeptic magazine and also QED. So just, just a few projects, Cecil. And I, I, do, I do want to point out, I pronounced things. that properly. <laughs> you raise your hand way too often to do stuff, right. to volunteer for stuff. Basically, <laughs> you've, you've got it like you got to do the like it's like it's like sitting in the uh, airplane and everyone's walking by and you don't want them to sit there. You got to like avert your gaze when they call for volunteers. <laughs> get silent. Tie a shoe. You just got to You just got to get good at picking up your phone at the right time. Right. And look at, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got oh a, man. Really important texts. I got to take this. Yeah, I got to take this call. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I know my screen is blank. Thanks for joining Thank us today. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming oh, on. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful to meet you in person. What was it? Five, six Oh my years God, ago? so long. It must man. have been ages ago yeah. because yeah. it wasn't the last QED because I wasn't there. It was the one before. Yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. It's five been years a, ago. It's been a while. It was six years. I was, I think Are you was, guys coming this year? Oh, we can't make it, can't this, do it year. this year. This, is, this oh, has no. been a tough year for us, but we are planning on coming back to QED eventually. Oh, absolutely. Of all the conventions <laughs> that we've ever been to, I think QED sets the highest bar for not only content, stuff that you can, you know, really dig your teeth into, amazing speakers, fun nights to hang out. But the just the the atmosphere there that we had, I could not tell you how much fun I had. It, yeah, it, it, the city was fun. The people were fun. Great time. It was everyone was welcoming. We had such a wonderful time, and it was kind of thrown together at the last minute. But we had a blast out there. It was really great. Oh, that's great to hear. It was always good to hear good feedback about QED. Yeah, so you guys got to be excited because this is like, I mean, this is the return. This is the this triumphant is the return. Of return. QED. <laughs> We've got to get it right this time to make sure that everybody, although to be fair, it's been so long coming that um, that it could be terrible and people would love it, right? It'll low bar, low yeah. bar now. It, it, it will not be terrible. I promise it won't be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like COVID has set a, set a nice low standard. Like everyone's yeah. just going to show up in their pajamas, like blinking heavily after crawling out of the dark and into the people sunlight forgotten how to do social social lives people oh, have absolutely. forgotten what it's like to be in the real world uh, so it, it it'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of nerds in a room apply alcohol failure to have communicated socially for two years or more yeah what could possibly what, go yeah, this is, oh, it's a recipe for success I, this feels like 
from like H.G. Wells, like time machine. If it's just like all of a sudden, like the dudes from like underground just like crawl their way out, you know, and they're just <laughs> shots or whatever. Yeah, right. I forgot what they were called. It Morlocks. Is, there it is. Yeah. The Morlocks just like emerge into the sunlight, you know. <laughs> Outside, I, over under. How many undressed people in the bar by the end of the night? What's your bet? What's your bet? Because you know it's going to happen, right? Um, we, we probably are going to have to keep our eye on that. If there is any yeah. nakedness, we may have to ask people to um, at uh, least return their clothes. Yeah. Uh, we can't. I feel like <laughs> Heath is a solid one. For all of our guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with Heath and Eli there, though, guaranteed someone's getting their shirt taken off. Guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah. And then immediately put back on by a crowd <laughs> of onlookers. Just we'll get we'll get to the lineup of QED a little later. But we, you know we're so happy to have you here, Doctor Alice, to talk about some stuff. We want to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about Britain's COVID response. Um, you know we, we we when COVID hit, Tom and I, of course, you know we sep we we live pretty far apart from each other. And when COVID hit, neither of us wanted to get each other sick, so we started you know recording from home and talking to each other a lot that way. And we just decided not to talk about COVID like at all on the show. We were yeah, like, you know what? It's, just, of it's, weeks. it's too much. Every week is a new COVID story. We just gave up. We were doing, you know, you like- can't keep up to date, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Well, that and our <laughs> response was so comically bad and terrifying that it was one of those things that like, like you're watching the world slip away. So you think, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Let's let other people <laughs> deal with how bad this is. So we just decided instead, you know, we're going to do man bite dog stories for like a whole year. We just, we just fucked around. We found the dumbest stories you could yeah. find, you know, and we, 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 we ran with them, but we're curious, you know, from a perspective of, you know, uh, you know, rating it on one to 10 response, you were, you were, you know, in the middle of the UK during this, what do you think the UK did to try to stop COVID to try to help um, its citizens deal with that. What was? What do you think their response was? Uh, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not quick enough. Not fast enough. Not bold enough. And um, we had loads of problems. And we had the same thing, right? That we were recording a podcast, and we always record um, in Marsh's back room. Marsh, you've had on the show before. Uh, everybody in skepticism knows Marsh. Um, we were recording in his back office. The three of us for skeptics with a K. And we all got COVID um, before the first lockdown in the UK. Uh, by that point, there was so much COVID already in the country. Uh -huh. And the, the UK government was in such denial that it was kind of refusing to do anything in terms of action. I think eventually they started to cancel some big public events. But, but far too late, there was a massive race, uh, horse race event very early on in the pandemic that I definitely that. should yeah. have been canceled. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and they, then, were, they were saying, like, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to clarify one quick question. Weren't they, like, initially just like, we're going to do herd immunity? We're cool with herd yeah. immunity. Herd, herd immunity, that's that's the solution. It's not that bad a disease. We'll just, we'll just all get it, and then we'll all be fine, which scientifically is just not how it works with these kinds of things, right? Scientifically, you want immunity because the vulnerable vulnerable people need protecting. And if you're just going to let it rip through your nation, then, then those vulnerable people are not protected. I, I love the idea that it is a radical notion to suggest that not getting sick is superior to getting sick. <laughs> it's right. remarkable. Like you just I don't, I don't say that out loud. You're just like, hey, which would be better to get sick? Yeah, that's that's over here. That's one. Or to 
Now, hear me out. Not get yeah. sick. And people are like, now there's a hefty a debate. Second. There's actually something away on both sides of that. You're like, yeah. what the fuck? No, there's not. When when the horse race was going same. on, could you bet on COVID to win or just place? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to win the triple crown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just bonkers. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but in the UK, like there's this big pride around going up to work when you're sick. Like you're like dying in your office and that's supposed to prove that you're really dedicated to your job. And it's like, you're getting everybody else sick. It's worse. It's awful. It's it's terrible here. (laughs) So bad. I will say this though. In the last two years after COVID, um, I have noticed many people in my social circle, in my in my work circle that have called off and done things like, I'm, I'm sorry, I got a scratchy throat. I'm sorry, I got sniffles today. I'm just not going to come. You know, we can yeah. talk on the phone or whatever. That was not a thing, not for your social circle even. So if you right. had a cough yeah. at home, you'd be like, eh, I'm still going to go out to the bar. Or if you had, you know, the sniffles or you maybe had a little bit of a, like a headache, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to say, if you're starting to feel sick, you got a cold, you're still going to go out with your friends to dinner. I I recently, very recently, I was going over to a friend's house and he called, he sent me a message in the morning. He said, you know what, my wife and I aren't feeling well today. We're just going to skip the thing tonight, you know, and they weren't, they said, I got a, I got a scratchy throat is what he said. He had COVID, right? He, he canceled. He had COVID. No one wow. else got COVID. Yeah. He had, he and his wife dealt with COVID and then it was over. And like, I think that the last couple of years have taught people, at least in my social circle yeah. and my work, which is higher ed, which is totally not work, by the way, <laughs> that is not the same as regular, like grind, grind, grind work. But it has taught people in my in my work that it's different. I literally just had to put out a missive to my employees the other day to stay home. If you like, I'm I'm like I manage a, a group of people and I've got managers underneath me and they've got employees underneath them. So it's a fairly large group of people. At the beginning of this, I made it, I sent everybody home. There's only about eight or nine people that are in the office out of like a hundred. And so everybody has been home and they're gonna stay home. And I closed my office and sublet it and it's all that. So, but every once in a while they still have to get together in these small groups for meetings. And just like two weeks ago, one of my managers came in to meet with another manager and she's like, oh, it's just allergy. It wasn't allergies. It was COVID. And she (sighs) gave the other girl COVID. And I had to send out another message like, look, the boss, that's me, says stay home. (laughs) But it's so built into our culture. Yeah. That even when like, even when the authority is like, stay home, it's cool. I don't want you to come to work when you're sick. They're just like, I should probably come to work when I'm sick. You're like, no. Is it still bad there? So we've just come out of quite a bad wave. We've had a bunch, and I had it for a second time just a couple of months ago. Um, (laughs) So you can definitely catch it twice. Um, So we, we were really fortunate at the beginning that we like, we all got it. And then we went into these lockdowns and we were all reasonably okay. We, we didn't get really, really sick. And then this second time around, I just got it. and, And a few other people I know, and it was, quite bad. I think this variant's quite bad, but that peak is now dropping. And, and we're like, oh, it's dropping. It's It's gone down to less than one in 15 people has COVID. But, <laughs> yeah, that's like, unreal. There's still a lot of COVID around. Right. Um, and we're, we're now in the position where the government guidelines are, we recommend you stay home if you think you've got COVID, but we don't require it. You can go into work if you've got COVID. You can't tell if you've got COVID because you can't get any... Um, 
free tests anymore. They've removed the testing um, system entirely. So you now have to buy tests if you want to do Jesus tests. Christ. Um, so there's a bunch of people who are like, well, I've got a scratchy throat, but I can't stay away from work because I don't know if it's COVID. And there's no government guidance to say that I should stay home if I think I've got COVID really. It's is, just bonkers. Is there uh what was your vaccine rollout like? Is there is there vaccines available? Are people getting multiple multiple jabs? So that's the one thing we did. Well, there's a couple of things we did really well in the pandemic response. One was that um there was this furlough scheme. So very early on when we went into those first um nationwide lockdowns, people who could work from home or couldn't work from home but didn't need to be working could go into this furlough scheme and they would get something like 80% of their salary would be covered and then their employers could just top up the rest. Um, so that was one good thing, one good pandemic response. And the other was we were shit hot at vaccines. We rolled out the vaccines really quickly. Our vaccine uptake rate was really high. There was obviously a lot of reluctance and there is a, a, an anti-vax issue in the UK, as I think there is everywhere in response to COVID. But pretty much, you know, everybody I know has been triple vaxxed already. We've had um, two vaccinations at the within close succession and then uh, a third booster. And I think we're now at a point where we're rolling out a fourth jab to people in vulnerable populations, yeah, elderly. Yeah, we did that um, here. What, so vaccines we're doing great at, but everything else. Yeah, yeah. What is, what is the NHS's um, take on the role of, let's say, Reiki, for example, <laughs> in the treatment of COVID. I have been reading a little bit about that. So how is their homeopathic response? Yeah, like, I mean, because we, it, I mean, obviously COVID is, is exacerbated by imbalanced uh, magic energies. Definitely, definitely. It definitely. Makes it so, I'm not saying it causes it, but it makes it worse. You wear a proper jade amulet. I think that's why we got more sick the second time round, right? Because we're just, we're railing against the alternative medicine so much. And it's just, <laughs> our chakras are out of line. Um, we got really sick from COVID. That's, it's our own fault, really. Um so yeah, the NHS is currently ad or has been recently advertising for Reiki practitioners to work more in hospices and end of life care actually rather than COVID. And what's remarkable about the NHS is obviously there are little pockets of woo within the NHS that sure. are major problems and, and that we've been working as, a, as skeptical activists for years to try and bring down those numbers of, of things like that that are available to patients on the NHS because it offers that legitimacy to, to right. things that just don't work. Um, when it comes to COVID, though, um, I think the NHS has been pretty hot, apart from struggling with, you know, there being far too many cases for them to, to handle. Um, they've been evidence-led most of the way, and, and we've been very quickly shifting how we treat patients and trying to change how. So there was this thing fairly early on that we realized that actually it was really important for patients with COVID, particularly very strongly on their lungs, to be laid flat. So they were laid flat, I think, laid on the fronts to help them breathe for longer and keep them off ventilators as long as possible. And then not long after that, we introduced these um, steroid treatments that we know help quite well for people with COVID. So actually not too much woo in um, in the That's COVID great. response. That's and terrific. I actually, I really admire so many of the people who work in the NHS who've had this onslaught of anti-vaxxers coming in and telling, and COVID deniers coming, gone into the hospitals and complained at them for following treatment and said that their relative doesn't have COVID and that, that they shouldn't be on a ventilator and all of these things that, that 
that may ultimately lead their family member to die. And the NHS staff have had to deal with that. They haven't paid any extra to deal with that abuse from from people. Um, Are overworked and underpaid and exhausted from running, working through loads of shifts when half their colleagues have got COVID as well. Yeah. Yeah. um, What about ivermectin? We had a big problem with ivermectin here in the States. People foregoing treatment from real doctors finding either, I I don't want to call it black market, but you know what I mean? Like ivermectin that was prescribed to someone else that they're doling out to other people or some types types of veterinary versions of ivermectin that they were taking instead of going to the hospital. People continuing to get sick thinking that that was going to help them. Was ivermectin a big deal in the UK as much as it was here? It was definitely a thing. It was in, we had that little wave of ivermectin and the same with hydroxychloroquine, right? That Mm, that there was this wave of it being really popular and everybody talking about it. It seems to have disappeared. Um, I've not heard anybody talking about it more recently, but then I think it's become a lot easier to be a COVID denier now that we're pretending COVID doesn't exist. (laughs) 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 Oh no. That's we're all like, let's get back to normal and let's not do any pests. So yeah. people can yeah, say, yeah. oh, well, I've got a cough, I've got a tickle, but it's just flu or it's just a cold or it's just yeah. allergies or whatever. And and so they're not even thinking about taking alternative treatments for COVID because they don't believe they've got COVID half the time. Right. Yeah. Um, why do I do an alternative <laughs> treatment for something that isn't real? Like the CDC's <laughs> new guidance was just a shruggy emoji. Yeah. That was the... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, like, oh, I do what I want. (laughs) And this is it, right? That we've got no guidance on how to protect ourselves from COVID. So we're just, we've gone, in the UK, certainly, we've gone back to normal. People are not wearing masks in shops or on public transport or anything. They're socializing pretty much exactly as they were before, going to clubs, going to parties and things like that. Um, It's everywhere. (laughs) And we're not doing it. And, and I hold my hands up. I'm doing the same. I'm not wearing masks in shops anymore because you're the only person wearing a mask and it feels really uncomfortable. Um, I do occasionally pop one on, but it kind of feels like there's no point anymore because it's just everywhere, which, yeah, which no doesn't follow the science at all. Yeah, if no one's participating, it's really difficult. I will say, like, I live, uh, I live outside of Chicago, which is a pretty major city. And when I travel to downtown... I get on a, what they call a Metra train here, which is like a big sort of train that that's a commuter train that travels downtown. And there's, you know, many, many cars. And I would say about 25% of the people are, are masked. About, Jesus, only a 25%? Right, 25% of the people are masked. That's, I'm one of those people. And then when I get, uh, when I get on the L train downtown, which is the, the smaller commuter train that travels on a elevated track in Chicago, that's about maybe 35 to 40% of the people are masked. Oh um, it's a little higher percentage, but <laughs> it's not yeah, enough to protect people. We're at virtually zero here. Um, I, oh I will pop God. a mask on. If, I, if I'm on a commuter train, if it's it's in, I try not to travel at busy times because I think that's that's actually now, now people aren't taking that much care. That's the safest way right. to, to avoid getting it is just to avoid people as best sure. you can. Yeah. But if I do occasionally have to get on a very busy train, I'll wear a mask for that reason and there might be three or four people in the carriage wearing wearing a mask even wow. if it's even if it's full to bursting um yeah it's that's in liverpool i think i went to london a few weeks a few months ago and that was a little higher actually um but there's more people there so yeah. <laughs> right right yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, it's funny because like I, I work in my basement. I, I like I'm just I'm I'm very isolated. Like my life is just very very locked down and isolated for a bunch of reasons. But my kids, I, I took I took the kids to like the first day of school tour. You know, walk around, get your schedule, and like my family was wearing masks, and we were the only. I think I think we might have been the only people in that like high school, like a high like yeah. the high school that the kids go to is. Huge. Like it is a massive high school. It is probably a few thousand kids. Yeah, a couple grand, right? Yeah. And like there's no way that any of them are wearing masks at all. Yeah. And so I'm looking at that and I'm like, God, we haven't gotten it. And like it's fucking everywhere right now. And like school has started. And I know school just started this week. And I'm like, come on. Like the Omicron variant uh vaccines should be rolling out here within like four to five weeks. And I'm like, just not enough time. Yeah. Please don't yeah. bring this home. Like, yeah. oh, I don't leave yeah. my house, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and this is the thing is that it's just, it has got to a point where it's everywhere. And I, I get, one thing I get incredibly frustrated with is seeing people who will complain online or will brag online. Oh, I haven't, I haven't had it yet. And, and, and therefore I'm doing everything right. And it's like, you no. can do everything right. And it's you just can get accident. it. Like, and the last time I got it, I was doing everything right. I've only, been less uh, careful about masking since the last time I had it because sure. I kind of feel like, what's the point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I'm also very, very lucky that that I've had it twice yeah. and, and not had long right. COVID um, effects because like that's that's scary, the fact it that is. you can be yeah. sick for, for a very long period of time um, what, afterwards. What I've been reading about long COVID is that, is that vaccines really do help with the long COVID effects. Um, what kind of things, do you, do you, it, it, that might be something that you might know a little bit about. Do you know a little bit about the long COVID effects and if vaccines will help protect you? So I think there's evidence that vaccines can help. They don't They don't prevent it entirely. No, so no. If, you, if you are vaccinated and you get COVID, the COVID is less likely to be super severe and you are less likely to get long COVID. So getting vaccinated is obviously very, very important, but you are still at risk of getting long COVID. And, and because so many people are getting um, infected, that means so many people are at, at risk of long COVID. And then as far as I can tell, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of uh, an idea of who's more likely to get it other than um, people with pre-existing uh, health conditions, um, which is fucking everybody, right? Everybody's right. got pre-existing right. health conditions. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I have read some some interesting stuff on one way to prevent it, to try and prevent it, is if you get COVID, do fucking nothing. Relax. I have read the do same thing. Nothing. Yeah. Do like as little as possible and then do less than that um, for as long as possible until you're fully recovered. Because if you try to go back to, to doing normal stuff too soon, you're at greater risk of getting long COVID. So, but not everybody has the luxury to be able to take sure, 10 yeah. days off with COVID to sure. make sure they don't infect anybody and then rest for another yeah. two. Like it took me a month to recover from COVID last time. Oh my gosh. And I was fortunate that I could do nothing for a month, but yeah. obviously many, many people can't, which means the people most at risk of COVID are the poor people who need to go out and work and, uh -huh. and can't switch off because Every time. they're on the bread line. Yeah, it turns, yeah. Out, it turns out that also working from home is also a very privileged thing that lots of people just can't partake in. They just can't do because they're in a position at work where they have to be at a place like you can't be a work from home mechanic. You know what I mean? You got to go to work. You've got to do the, you, know, you got to go to places. 
cable service guys jobs, have to, yeah. yeah, service job has to go there. Yeah. The, the supermarket, they can't ring you up from home. You know, they've got to be <laughs> in this place. And so it's a very privileged thing to think, you know, everybody can just work from home. Nobody, I mean, it's, it's a small percentage of the popular the work, yeah. workforce that can work from home. And then also you're right, you know, the, the people who have to, turn around very quickly and go back to work are almost always people in poverty. It's, it's the worst. It's it. And it really is just, it's, it's like a, it's a disease that's just going to impact them way more than it impacts anyone else. It's just, it's a terrible yeah. thing. And that work ethic insanity that we were talking about before, like plays into that as well. Like here in the States, the standard like vacation package that you get in a good job with benefits. So like a lot of jobs don't have any paid vacation. Yeah. But the standard opening vacation package you get is two weeks off a year. So like if you use all of your vacation being sick, you bought two, you got two weeks off. So that's your time that's off. And after it, that, yeah. it's like coming out of your pocket. And that's if you're lucky enough to have yeah, paid the, vacation. The chances are, if, and also too, coming out of your pocket is only if your boss will let you. Right, because some of them would yeah, just be like, look, like, you no, come man, back to work back or, to work. or yeah. that's it. Yeah, you might yeah. be able to take FMLA, and if it's but FMLA is unpaid. Yeah, but if you're moving packages around or something, you're working right. hard. Like you said, it, working afterwards can be really detrimental. So that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. What uh, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to vaccines... In the United States, we did okay, but there was a huge, there's been, I think for many years, an anti-vax population here. Um, they were relatively quiet, I think. You know, small groups of people, you know, you'd see little bursts of measles in certain places where the soccer moms forced their kids not to get measles shots, and then there'd be like little bursts of it. But it wasn't as bad as what we saw during COVID. Did you guys have leading up to, in the UK, did you have leading up to covid a strong anti-vax community or, and did they get stronger when COVID hit? Yeah. So we're pretty much the same, right? But I think our anti there is an anti-vax population here. Thank you very much, Andrew Wakefield. Um, right. He was <laughs> what a fucking problem. What a fucking dick. <laughs> Fuck that guy. And One so guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I am in that generation where they vaxxed us for MMR, like at uni as well, to catch anybody who wasn't vaxxed. Right. As as kids, because it was right in that in that little um, that generation of people where there were a load of people who didn't get vaccinated. But a lot of that anti-vax sentiment had it hadn't gone away at all. It definitely still existed, um, and especially in areas where there's people coming from different countries. So I, I think, in particular, Italy has got quite a high anti-vax population. And obviously, if you're in an area that has a bunch of Italians move into the area, then um, then the children at schools can have low vaccination rates because of different conspiracy theories yeah, and beliefs right. yeah, yeah. of different cultures. Yeah. Um, but we definitely had an issue with, with anti-vaxxers, but much small, smaller by comparison until, until the COVID um, pandemic. But I think a big chunk of that is the conspiracy theory movement's just been growing for the last probably 15 years. And it was just bubbling to the surface right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hits and we're having people locked down and, and having their their rights really infringed in, in lots of ways. If you're not allowed to leave your house, that is right. your rights have been have been infringed, whether you know it's for the greater good, but it still affects your right to to freedom. Um and and so the conspiracy theories just spiraled out of control during the pandemic. That's so terrible. It and is. you're right. It, it really was sort of like everything sort of building up to one sort of perfect, you know, just all it took was one match 
to light that yeah. all on fire. And, and it, you know, it all hit at the wrong time. You know, hilariously enough, maybe six months before the pandemic, Tom and I were talking about how terrible yeah. it would uh -huh. be to have Donald Trump as the president yep. when a pandemic hits or something big <laughs> like that. Yeah. We said it on the show. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if something like that happens with this chuckle fucking charge? And then it was the leadership side here in the States was, and I don't want to exaggerate, but it was as bad as it could have been. Like, I don't actually think that it could have been worse yeah. at a leadership level here in the States. Did you encounter... Because, I mean, like, Trump openly, like, shit on vaccines and said insane stuff about sunlight and yeah, bleach. And fucking bleach in your veins. Took his mask off as a show of, like, fucking dominance psycho. and alpha maleness or fucking whatever he was doing. Did you guys have the same, like, leadership doubts or leadership sowing of discord? We had leadership sowing of discord and doubts, not around vaccines, actually. So Boris Johnson, as much as I hate him in every single way, he is he is terrible, um, just awful. As, yeah. as, as bad as Britain could have got for, for our pandemic response and like didn't turn up to the first bunch of COBRA meetings for the emergency meetings nice. when um, the That's pandemic good. first kicked off. Like he probably had hair five that he just... He didn't, well, he was on holiday for the first two. <laughs> <laughs> that's so insane. That is so Boris though. I mean, that's so right. Boris. Come on. That, that should be a show. That's so Boris. <laughs> <laughs> but because his pandemic response was so behind and they, they, they really didn't want to go into lockdowns and, and destroy the economy in the way that lockdowns were predicted to do, um, they put all their eggs in the vaccine back basket. So we were shit hot on vaccines and the messaging around right. vaccines was go get your vaccine. And they were really good on that. Less good on other messaging. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, Boris Johnson is wandering around shaking hands with people and acting like this is this is a reasonable thing to do. And then, of course, got COVID. Um, <laughs> was yeah. really sick. He's asking people <laughs> for a drink of their Coke. Right. He's just like, I mean, <laughs> what is happening, man? I mean, our guy literally said this is nothing. It'll disappear like yeah. magic. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, like one day this will just disappear. He's like, he's like one like day it'll magic. just disappear. He's like, it'll just go away. And you're like, you don't know anything. You literally are the <laughs> stupidest person. And we 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 picked you out of everybody oh in the United States. We said that's our guy. It's that's just, it. It's terrifying. We have 370 <laughs> million choices, and that's the one. All right, let's talk about let's, let's talk about gears. QED. Let's talk about QED. Let's talk about something that might not might be a lot, of, and it's got to be a lot of fun. Tell us about this year's this year's QED. Is the first time back, like you said before, it's first time back in a while. So what's planned? Well, we have got. Uh, I'm so excited for our lineup this year, and this is my first year on the organizing committee. So I'm so like this has been the event that I am. I, I live for, it's my favorite event of the year. I love going to, and now I get to be part of the organizing committee and, and help give ideas for, for speakers. So we've got some great speakers. We've got the GAM guys coming to do a God Awful Movies um, uh, episode live on the main stage, um, which will be amazing. Um, we've got... Professor Chris Jackson, who is a geologist, who's going to come and talk to us. He's done like the Christmas science lectures in the UK. So that, that's, that means you're a big deal. 
um, if you're <laughs> on the if you're on the Royal Society Christmas lectures, you're a big deal um, in the UK. <laughs> We've got Aaron Rabinowitz from um, Embrace the Void is doing yeah. oh, that's a great. panel for us, which is really exciting. Um, alongside a few other people, so we've got what boring Rachel thing Shreya. is Aaron going to talk about? What boring thing is Aaron going to talk about? <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. The, the nature of bullshit, the <laughs> an academic exploration of the. Yeah. We've got this exciting panel um, on conspiracy theories, basically, oh, nice. um, which has got um, Aaron Rabinowitz on, Michael Marshall is oh, on that. So um, we've got Rachel Schreyer from the BBC's disinformation team on health. Um, it's going to be an amazing panel. I can't remember. There's somebody else on that panel who I now can't remember. Um, but that's that's going to be that amazing. Sounds, that sounds um, awesome. That sounds amazing. <laughs> we've got to do conspiracy theories, right? Yeah, QED. absolutely. Uh, um, we've got Azaraza from the US who's coming to talk about cancer. Um, Fern Riddell, who is a historian here in the UK, she talks about um, suffrage and the history of sex and sex toys and nice. things like that. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited. Are you are now? I thought I heard a rumor that the Skeptics with a K group is going to do a live show there. Is that true? We are. So there'll oh. be a Skeptics with a K live show. There will also be an incredulous, incredulous live show. Oh, oh that's um, so nice. Since the last uh, Q last Q so must have been the last episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to dust it off once in a Andy's while. And he's furiously so. writing his questions now. He's like, I've only had like years to do. Okay. <laughs> Think about it. QED nine. Inquiries are, only. Incredulous episode nice. nine is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so serious inquiries only. Thomas Smith's going to be there doing a show. That's good. Yep. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. Seriously, yeah. that's very Thomas great. And, and Lindsay Osterman. So that'll be, that'll be brilliant. We've got, we've got a bunch of great stuff. Oh, we've got somebody called Emma Sullivan Bissett who talks about, uh, in fact, she's the other person on the conspiracy panel. She um, is going to be talking about aliens and type of things oh. like that. But she also, she re researches why people believe all sorts of odd beliefs. So um, I think she's going to be brilliant for for that panel as well. It's it's a great lineup. I'm the so last, excited. That's the last terrific. time I was there, I had my booklet and I had put so many check marks and stuff I wanted to go. There's no way you could go to everything because there's stuff up against overlap, one another. Yeah. There's overlap. So you just can't do it all. But the programming that yeah. you guys put on is just amazing. And I'm so excited for you guys. Can you tell people if they were going to try to get tickets or if they're going to try to travel there? Can you tell them a little information about that? Yeah. So it's in Manchester at the Piccadilly Hotel the weekend of the 28th of October, 28th, 29th and 30th of October. Um, we've got like a Skeptic Camp event being hosted by the Skeptics in the Pub Online crowd doing that's a free event on the Friday as well, which is great. You can get tickets and they're £120 or £80 if you're a student and you can get them from qdcon.org. Alice, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy you could you could make it onto the show. We look forward to hopefully having you again. If anything blows Definitely. up in Britain, we're going to send you a message. And we're be like, you got to come back <laughs> on and talk with us. You got to talk with us again. Thank you so Thanks much for coming. Thanks so much for thank having you. me. Helmet, what's going on? Sanders, what's going on? It's Mega Maid. She's gone from suck to blow. What? They're getting all their air back. Do something. Do something. Do something. I'm breathing. Air. Air! This story comes from Rolling Stone. Herschel Walker bashes new climate law. Don't we have enough trees? Tommy, he really says that too. He really does. Like, like here's the thing. I know that very often, 
political reporting is about a soundbite. It's about pulling out and teasing out a clickbaity headline yes. yep. so that you can hear somebody say something. And then very often you and I will be looking at something and we'll say, yeah, I mean, he kind of says that, but it's in the context of what he it's says. A, this it's, is his actual point. Like this is literally Tom, Tom. Yes. Tom. Yeah. I, yeah. This is the whole point. This is it, this guys. Is, this is the pinnacle of his argumentation. This is where is we're at. He thinks we have enough trees. I don't want to, I don't want to. No, I, let, let, let me let, read it. You let me read, read it. Let what me he read has it. to yeah. say. Because it's here. I got to read a bunch of stuff. All right. Here we go. Discussing the Inflation Reduction Act recently signed into law. And again, I just, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to interrupt myself. Discussing is a generous fucking verb in this paragraph. When you say discussing. Discussing. Yeah. Discussing. Right. Discussing, discussing. Has a, has a eruditeness <laughs> right. to it. It implies. It feels like <laughs> there's a back and forth and there's oh. meaty arguments on both yeah. sides. Yeah. Oh, you know, we're going to sit down and we're really going to lie, hash this one out. Okay. No, this is his, this is the level of discussion. Discussing the Inflation Reduction Act recently signed into law by President Biden, which included the largest environmental investment in American history, Walker argued on Sunday that Democrats, quote, continue to try to fool you that they are helping you out, but they're not. A lot of money is going to trees. No, that's not what he said. A lot of money, it's going to trees. That's Don't right. we have yeah. enough trees around here? Yeah, yeah. And he's referring to a portion of this mm -hmm. where they're going to plant new trees. Yeah. It, it, carbon capture, <laughs> carbon capture by foliage, trees, fucking natural resources is the most efficient way that we have to do carbon capture, right? There, maybe we in the will, future. We will figure out a different thing. Right. I guarantee, yeah, I so, guarantee we right. will figure out a new way to carbon capture. Maybe in the future. We will have great big carbon capture machinery. We have a natural device right now that we can plant en masse and right. create a it, carbon capture. It's surface. cheap as fucking hell. And you end up with nothing more offensive than a tree. Right. What fucking blows my mind is people objecting to trees. He doesn't have an argument though. Trees. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to. Plant fucking tree. Then I'm going to have to look at all these goddamn trees everywhere. These fucking eyesore trees. Don't make me look at a fucking maple. Oh, shit. What, what is that? A fucking squirrel up in that thing? My whole day is shot. Oh, goddamn Robin. Fuck. It's a tree. Yeah. Why are you mad that we have a world with I, more trees? I, I, the thing is, is I think he knows he needs to be against it. Right. But he's not. And he's not smart enough to know how to be against it, no, right? right. And, it, and this is, I think, a problem, not just of Herschel Walker, who is genuinely, I think, I think he has some sort of syndrome from playing ho like hockey. He didn't play <laughs> hockey. He played football. I think he has a syndrome from playing football that has hurt his brain in a way that, that makes him deficient. There's, I there's no other so. explanation. I can't, I, if you listen to him talk, he doesn't sound right. Yeah, man. Like there are some other quotes in this article, and I want to I want to grab a couple of the quotes to bur to buttress your point. Sure. Right in July, Walker left meteorologists scratching their heads when he claimed that the Green New Deal would result in America's quote good air deciding to float over to China's bad air. 
China's bad air would then move over to our good airspace, which would force America to clean that back up. It's just, there's, a, there's, and then he says, he also says about evolution. At one time, science said man came from apes. Did it not? If that's true, why are there still apes? Think about it. We did. Yeah, yeah man. We did. And, and, and it's not an ape. So and and come from and, and that's not how evolution not, works. Not how you literally got every literally element of that wrong. This works. <clears throat> In any case, here's the thing. Yeah, he knows what he needs to be against. Right, he is recognized, and his handlers have, and he has handlers. Oh, he of has course, people he does. who keep more. Of from course, microphones. he does. He has a, a he. He's been sort of pointed at. These are the things that we need to oppose. Like, this is easy, right? You can teach a right. little child. You can teach a child to oppose things. Like, it's like, it's very easy to instill that. Right. It's understanding why you oppose them. Right. And then coming up with good arguments for the opposite. Yep. Right? For, well, I don't think that's a good idea. And here's why it's bad. And here's why this is good. Yeah. Those are two things that you could do easily. None of this, here, you know, what, what it really comes down to is economy. Right? right. The reason why they don't want to do any green stuff right. yes. is, it, is it an economic reason. They cannot do there's there's nothing to do with the environment that that at this point they can argue because all their arguments have been stripped away. I mean, yeah, and they're they're not even years. really arguing. And they're not that anymore. anymore. They used to, right. but now they're yeah. not. And they're not even arguing with it. Now they're now their argument essentially is well, who knows if climate change won't be a good thing? Yeah, well, that's their that's their argument now. And their other argument is like, look, it's not worth it financially to fix it. Exactly. Right. Like right. we know what's happening. We probably think we're part of the cause, yeah. but you know what? It's not going to be so bad that it is worth the cost. They're doing like a they're they're playing a risk benefit sure. analysis yeah. game. Yeah. But Herschel Walker's not playing no, that he game. Doesn't, he doesn't know what to he doesn't know what to say. Don't we have enough trees? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, no, we don't. we don't. No, we don't. We don't no. have enough trees. No, no. We, you know, we don't have enough trees. Asked and fucking answered, yeah, Herschel it's Walker. Easy. It's easy. This guy's running against Raphael Warnock. Yeah. I, I, if this is a close race, if, well, if well, he wins, if he wins, Cecil, I don't even know what to do in America. They're saying anymore. that it might be close enough for a runoff. I can't, I couldn't imagine that, but I, I like, that'd be insane. I cannot. We li we live in a world you can't you can't satirize anymore. Yeah. Like this guy doesn't know how anything works. Yeah. How anything works at all. This is not. A, and here's the thing, though. Like even though Herschel Walker is somebody who I said might have some serious problems mentally, right? right? There's a possibility to. that he has some serious problems. He's about average. When you think about some of the other dumb shit that some of these other yeah, people I mean, say, you're not wrong, man. it's not that it's like so shocking. I could easily imagine somebody like Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates saying something very similar. Yeah, man, 100%. 100%. Because who was that guy who fucking brought the snowball into yeah, Congress and was Inhofe. like, there's Inhofe. still snow. James There's like, still yeah, snow. He, fucking, he, like, he like whips a fucking, like a snowball at fucking Mitt Romney. Or <laughs> and you're like, okay. No, yeah, asked and answered. You're an idiot. You're yeah. a dumb person. And so I don't think that their arguments would be any much more sophisticated than that. But I think that, you know, really we've got to understand that, that it's all about economy. And if you, and if you stifle this economy by doing something, you know, like green, right. they think that other economies won't do that. And they're just going to pollute 
willy nilly and then get all the money because then they can create right. things without regulation and all those other things. And so that that's their argument. I mean, literally, that's their argument. But it's fucking easy say argument. it. But the but the thing is, is like like that's a bad argument because it basically means that everything it shows you that the fucking profit system is the path of least resistance. Yeah, man. It shows you that the profit system is a bad system that we follow and that we in and that when we strip mine our economy and strip mine our literal world, we're doing damage that cannot be undone. Yeah, 100%. And, and they don't get that. They, they they say it out loud, but they don't get it. Right, yeah. And you're they, just like, yeah, man, like Dallas, this last week, you needed a raft, not a car. Yeah. I mean, the 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 Excel, like the only thing the science has, has been wrong about in terms of climate change yeah. is they've gotten yeah. it wrong Speed. In the sense that they were the too speed. conservative. Yeah, the speed of it. Things have gotten worse faster, yeah. not not worse. Yeah. And like the 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 effects. The other thing that, that science has gotten wrong is that for a long time there was a narrative that the richest nations would be spared some of the worst effects. Yeah. That the worst effects, and I'm not saying, let me let me make sure I phrase this properly. I do still believe that it is true that poorer nations will eat more shit than yes, rich nations. and I think that's so true. So please yeah. make sure that yeah, I'm not misunderstood. True. And that is, there, there are many reasons for that, but I think that a corollary bad argument was that we would be spared, the rich, privileged nations would be spared, and that all the shit would be eaten by, like, Somalia sure. at all, Yeah. right? That we are coming to understand, I hope, that no, we will still eat shit. Yeah, we can just, we just, can just stop it or mitigate it or try it, to slow well, it down. Yeah. It's just that on a comparative basis, yeah. it's like it's like saying like, well, you know, I'm not going to get killed if you shoot me, all right, but I'll still get hurt very badly yeah. if I'm shot. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, I mean, both are bad, just one is worse. Sure, and I think that sure. for a long time, people are like, I just won't get shot at all. Yeah. I just won't take any damage at all. That's not the reality we're, yeah. I think, yeah. moving into. Yeah. And I think we need to discard that idea. Fuckers like Herschel Walker, who are like, don't we have enough trees? No, we don't have enough trees, man. We need a lot more trees. You know, in fucking Brazil, they're bulldozing rainforest at a rate that is staggering and jaw-dropping to consider, man. Plant more fucking trees. Yeah. Wherever you Holy can. Holy shit, yeah. dude. Yeah. What the fuck? You don't... And if the argument is like, it's not worth the money, then say out loud. Yeah. Say what you fucking mean. They what I fucking hate yeah. is they won't say what they, they won't fucking mean. They won't say it. And then they've convinced their entire party that whatever we want is bad. So it doesn't right. matter what, what, what their party wants. It's all about just being anti what our yep. party wants. Yep. And so they don't have to have a good reason. Yeah. They could just say something stupid like, well, yeah, electric cars. I wouldn't trust those. But, uh, right, exactly. And you'd be like, well, why not? Well, and who knows? Dude, I mean, the, the I, I know this isn't where you're going, but like, do you, you probably don't because you're like a, a decent fucking person that doesn't waste their fucking time. But like, do you ever look at like reels or anything like that? Like uh, online, like no, Instagram I reels? I don't. So like when I look at Facebook, I like, I can't make it go away. So if I look at Facebook, I it always a, has I this banner a, of reels. I do get a banner of reels and I normally scroll right past it. And like, it's so funny because I've never clicked follow. I've never clicked like, I've never clicked anything. But every once in a while, I will scroll past them or I'll watch one, but I never interact with it. But just by clicking on it and watching it, 
the algorithm learns what, what you, you've clicked what you on, like, right? Yeah. So even if you've not like sure. interacted meaningfully. So now what, incidentally, I think this is really funny. What, what the reels on Facebook on the banner thinks I want to watch are fast cars, great white sharks, and fighting videos. <laughs> <laughs> and like... To some degree, it's not wrong. Sure. Because if I'm scrolling, yeah, because you like I'm all like, those things. Yeah. Neat sharks are cool, sharks are and cool. like it'll catch my Fighting attention. Is fun, like yeah. MMA. I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude, that guy. Because it's seven seconds, sure, right, it's or seven whatever. Second knockout, yeah. So anyway, I and I kind of do like cars. I do like cars. Like I'm not like a big fucking gearhead, but I like cars, you know. And so like I, I every once in a while, this is my long way into this. Every once in a while, I'll see this, like, I'll see one of these videos that I say, like, something like, Model S Plaid goes zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. And I'm like, that's a really cool achievement. For, I think the fucking electric cars are amazing. And I'll click on it and I'll watch it. And then I I, I made the mistake of clicking on, I wonder what people say about this. Like, oh, to me, no. I'm like, I'm blown away by how baller that is, right? That is, like, yeah. zero to 60 time. It's the fastest production car in the world in a four-door sedan. Yeah. That's amazing to me. And I click on it. And you know what the comments are, man? My burp-a-derp gas car sounds so much cooler. Where's the engine noise? Doesn't sound awesome enough. It's all this, like, toxic masculinity doesn't yeah. sound yeah. tough enough. Weak oh, it sounds fuck. like a pussy mobile. Weak as fuck. Right? Enjoy being weak and you're as like, fuck. It's objectively better. Yeah, it's so much better. And I just think it's analogous to your point. It's yeah. like, you don't have a point. Yeah. All you can do is bitch that it doesn't perform yeah. in the in the demonstrative way that yep. you need to be yeah. able to see yeah. it in order for you to get your fucking boner up. Yeah. And they want and they, they they've been taught that they need to oppose these things. Even right. Even though some of these things might be in their best interest. Yeah. Even though, like, like we were saying, like a world with more trees and electric cars means you have like a prettier landscape, cleaner air, and a better vehicle. And we're just like, I don't want things to get better if yeah. it means you win. Exactly. Like, That's exactly what? That is exactly it though. That yeah. is exactly it. And this week, California just came out. I saw this. With a huge, you know, basically saying like by 2035 or no something. No more gas cars. No more gas cars. And they're a huge economy. We talked about this in the past. This is why Trump was trying to go after them yeah. when he was president and they were trying to push for more economical cars, gas mileage, more gas mileage, more ga more yeah. gallons, mm -hmm. uh, you know, miles per gallon. And he was pushing back and saying, no, you can't do that. And they're like, fuck off. We'll do what we want. We're the fifth largest economy in the world. Yep. And we'll do anything we want. We're a state, eat my ass. <laughs> and so they decided to do it. And, and now they're in a position where they can change the entire world yep. by just making a couple decisions on how they're going to regulate their own state because it's such a large economy. Yep. And they're they're right now, and this is this is the best way to change this. This is this is a hundred percent the best way to change it. It's not a federal policy, so it doesn't have to be monitored or regulated or passed through Congress or any of that yep. stuff. It goes through a state level that is so powerful that it has to change for the entire globe. Yep. And that's gonna make ripples around the globe and can feasibly wipe out the gas motor. Yep, eventually. It can. It's and it's so funny because this backs the fucking right wing dickwads into a corner, right? Because yeah, if you're rights? a states' rights guy, this is states' rights. If you're like, Ooh, yeah, man, who knows? <laughs> if you're fucking pulling your fucking monster dick out in yeah. Texas talking about fucking school books, yeah, right, and you're like, hey, man. Here in Texas, we decide what all the fucking school curriculum books look like. Texas, one of the biggest states in the country. We basically yeah. make 
fucking fucking educational books the way you know yeah all right well okay. great here in california what we do is we say electric cars or eat my ass yeah that's what we say over yeah. here and, and it's it really forces them into a position that's like impossible to get out. it's a fucking checkmate here's here's it's a what fucking it is. checkmate here's what it is and this is for all the idiots who comment on our on our on our page and on our posts and they don't understand what cognitive dissonance is. <laughs> this is an example of, of cognitive, cognitive dissonance. dissonance. Okay. They have to hold two separate ideas at the same time and it causes them great pain to yeah, do right. so. Yep. They have to be simultaneously staged rights, but then simultaneously anti-green and it hurts their brain yep. and they don't know what, what they do is they just go anti-green because it's easier. Right, yeah. It's an easier let. Right. So they'll let one go. But that's what cognitive, I know that so many people love to come on our page and be like, you're the real cognitive dissonance. You guys are so confused. It's not confused. Okay. <laughs> Understand what it is. <laughs> I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house in a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. All right, so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. This is a great big goddamn story. It is. So it's big. Um, this story comes from the Independent. Also, fucking everywhere. Sure. You can find it anywhere. The right thing to do. Biden announces student debt relief for millions of borrowers. Borrowers who took out federal loans to pay for college are eligible up to ten thousand dollars in relief. Pell Grant recipients could see as much as twenty thousand dollars in debt cancellation. There's some caveats to that based on income. Yeah. But generally speaking, this is a significant amount of debt relief yeah. that is being done at the stroke of a pen. There's some worry that the Supreme Court will overturn this based on saying, like, Biden does not have the authority to do it. And so there might be some legal challenges to his authority to actually accomplish sure, this. Sure, And that's, yeah, and that's starting to come out now. Yeah. Um, hopefully he has the legal authority to do it. We will see, you know. They like to really stick their thumb into a lot of pies. They do. So, you know, it could be that 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 they might just, you know, very partisanly make this decision that they say, no, he doesn't have the ability to do it. And it could, you know, I will say, though, that's the second time that the Supreme Court would shoot themselves in the foot in a huge way before an election. Right before the mid. I, I thought the same thing. It's yeah. like, you guys want to go out on a limb on the right and say, hey, we're the party that means you can't get an abortion and you owe 10 grand more than you thought you did. Yeah. Vote for derp derp. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like I, yeah. I, I don't know how you, because every single attack ad then is, you know, they don't want you, they don't want you to have freedom of your own body. Right. And they're making you pay back all these loans that uh, colleges wound up extorting. You know what I mean? Like right. there's yeah. so many ways that you can run this. Um, you know, college has changed over the years in expense. Back before Reagan, when people started to go to school, it was a lot less expensive. And one of the major reasons why it was less expensive was because school was subsidized by the government. Mm -hmm. And that's every school, yep. right? As time went on, the Republicans started whittling away more and more and more at that money. And so that money started coming more and more and more out of our own pockets. 
So you needed to take out larger and larger and larger loans. And it's not just a, a matter of inflation. It is a matter of whole dollars of your income. Hours that you would have to work to yep. pay something like that back. They've done several of these infographics that show going to school in the 70s, uh, you could you could you could pay for it with a couple of summers working. Yeah. Going to school now, it's tens of thousands of dollars. You can't pay for they it. You cannot pay yeah, for no, it that you way. Can't, you can't work your way through school. It's anymore. impossible. No. It's too expensive. And it's because <clears throat> they've they've taken all this money out. This money that used to be part of the higher ed system through grants to pay for, you know, to help all students go to school and to help subsidize the costs of these higher of these higher uh, institutions of higher learning, they they took all that, a lot of it away. Yeah. And so now we're in this position where school has to get paid for these, these people need living incomes and working in higher ed is not, you're, yeah, you're not, not getting rich. You're not getting rich. You're not living high on the hog. You know, in fact, I've worked in higher ed for 20 years and uh, my, my income is a third of what my, my wife makes. I make a third of what my wife makes. She makes a, a, an immense amount of money in comparison to what I make, but I was able to put us through school. I was able right. to, you know, there's other things that come with that. I'm able to do, you know, have nights off and weekends off to work on other projects. So there's a good give and take with that. But the amount of money I make yeah, there is not insignificant right. in comparison to a private sector job. So it's not like everybody at, at, at a higher ed institution is raking in the No, dough. not even close. Like you, you, you make the decision to work there. In fact, I still have student loan debt. And my student loan debt is, uh, is, might be written off because I have worked for a nonprofit for over 20 years. There is like a actual loophole that if you work for public, oh, really? like a like a nonprofit oh. for a long time and you show that you paid the amount of money that you paid, oh, you that's could cool. then get, you know, your student <clears throat> loan debt taken away. Well, I I had to literally finance the entirety of my school when I went to school right. on my shoulders. Um, yeah, I got grants, I got Pell grants, I got right. you know, all these other things. But I had to finance that myself, and I still carry that debt. Like I still carry yeah, that debt you, today. Decades this is, after you this is graduated. two decades after I right. graduated. Right. So think, and I'm a guy who has means, and I've been paying this whole time. Right. I've been paying. I've been paying time yep. and time, like through, for the all the time. When I first got, when I first graduated, I was paying interest only because that was all I could afford. That's all you could do. Yeah. And so the balance years, just never goes down. For years, I was paying interest only. Yep. And then, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I started paying on the principal. Um, but it was, it took that long to get to that point in my life where I had enough money to actually start. But I was literally paying hundreds of dollars a month in interest. And never touching and the principal. never touched a principal. Never touching. That's not, I am not a unique case. No. I'm a, I'm a pretty average case. There's 20, they were saying 20 million people just woke up and they don't have that debt hanging over them anymore. Man, that's enormous. I read a couple of, I might get some of these numbers wrong, but they are generally close. So, you know, from a couple of articles I read about this, the cost of a uh, four-year degree, a college tuition has gone up 300% in the last 25 years. 100% makes sense. Makes sense. The cost, the, the, the rise in inflation of wages is 177.8%. Now, it, when when the cost of education outstrips the the inflation by almost two to one, it means that every year that goes by, 
the cost of it, the, the value of an education is lessened. The other thing that we're doing here is we are we are creating a gulf. We are creating an impossible disparity at a time when that is it's so essential to have an educated workforce as the world becomes more complicated and more technical and more specialized. But if the cost of education continues to outstrip the pace of inflation and the pace of wage growth in two to one terms, then people start to look at that and say, an education actually won't pay itself back. An education may or may not be worth doing. It also means that people have less inclination to take a chance on an education and say, you know, I'm going to do this because I love it. I'm going to do it because it's important to me. I'm going to do this because this makes me a better version yeah. of myself. That math doesn't make sense anymore. No, no, no. In the 90s, when I went to school, because I'm a million, in the 90s when I went to school, I went to school for an English degree without a second fucking thought because I loved English and that's what I wanted to do. And I thought I was going to teach, but I had no worries. It never even occurred to me, genuinely, that my education was inextricably tied to the idea of getting a job. Like, I wanted an education because an education was a de facto valuable thing to have sure. to grow as a person, to be a better version of who you are. That is, I think, still very much true. But we don't get to think in those terms, yeah. those sort of like quasi-romantic terms about what an education means for you as an individual when education costs continue to grow at a rate this disproportionate to the rest of all the other costs and the other monies coming sure. in. It's ridiculous. Now we have this like very utilitarian view of education. Yeah. And that is, I think, just an inherently bad it thing. It is. It is. And I know that like, maybe we'll get some pushback on that, but I just genuinely think that it is inherently bad. It's bad for progress. It is. It's bad for progress because when you look at all the progressive times in history, yeah. you look at the times when people had the leisure time and the will to learn new things yes. and take those chances, like the Enlightenment, you look at the Greeks, you look at like all those moments in history when people were, were pushing the boundaries of intellectualism those were all parts of, parts of history where people chased those dreams, yep. where people pursued that that art. They in the times when it was lean, and you know, like like you didn't have a lot of that during the fucking like the dirt bowl or whatever. That's like, <laughs> right, the, the dust, dust bowl. bowl. Yeah, he didn't have that. <clears throat> what you he didn't have that in the depression. You didn't have that at that time. You had to you have to you have to have that social surplus where you you know where people can decide to. It's not going to ruin my life if I do this. That's why right. universal basic income is such a big deal. That's why universal basic income could change our world for the better because it would allow people maybe a possibility of having that idea of leisure thinking, which automatically creates progress for the human it race. It does. It, it's like you cannot be, I, I'll tell you a boring story. So I don't believe that you can be a very high quality problem solver when you are under the gun all day. Right? I don't believe that that is, generally speaking, possible. I think that if we strip away education to nothing more than a um, glorified version of a trade school, yeah. you know, and I'm not shitting on trade no, schools. No, no. I don't, so I don't I want anyone no, to think I'm thinking that. I understand but I'm saying mean. that, like, we have had a different view of a college and university education. We've had a different idea of what a liberal arts education meant. It meant that you went to school and you got your degree in computer science, but you also took all these other sure. classes that weren't yeah. just computer science. You rounded your education. And there's 
And, and why do you do that? Because yeah. I think we understand that there's a value to, to your point, to rounding out your education, making you a better thinker, making you a more robust lateral thinker, making you a better problem solver. When I was, I've had a couple of different types of jobs in my life. So at the job that I had before the one I had now, you'll remember, like, I worked like fucking yeah, crazy. You worked, I worked 17 hours a day. Yeah. And the level of work that I did, it was, I was, I was constantly solving these like repetitive problems. Like the problems became over time, the same question, the same solution, the same question, the same solution. The thing is that they, they came in so fast and furious that I was constantly under the gun, constantly stressed, never able to take a step back. And there was a moment in my life where I thought, I think this job is making me stupid. I can't think anymore. All I can do is like solve the same series of repetitive sure, problems. Yeah, yeah. And then I got a job where I have some time to think. And I realized, man, I, I actually can come up with a lot of really good solutions yeah. if I have an opportunity to, to breathe, to breathe, breathe and see and yeah. think. And it, it's, it's made my ability to act in the same profession, in the same uh, field, I am a vastly more efficient worker. I'm a vastly more sharp, but I don't work as hard. Like we trade off. There's a trade-off between volume and creativity. You, you, most of the time, most of us can't do both. Sure. You, and we are, we are shitting on ourselves if we are insisting on volume at the sake of creativity. We're not going to solve the big problems we are faced with. And I think that education, the way that it's being sort of incentivized and financed, right. it's rewarding a volume-based economy yeah. and a volume-based worker. And it's being pressed by business owners who continue to, they continue to push and continue to foster a grind economy. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so yes. for them, it makes sense to, to minimize those parts of the degree because what they do want is college to be a trade school. Yeah, man. What they do want is for you to not have that breath. What they do want is for you to, you know, not think about unionizing. Yeah. To not think about to not have any yeah. perspective or sure. history, man. To not have any of that stuff. And they want it, they want to try to do that. Like it makes sense to the bottom line. It makes sense to the quarterly profit. It makes very much sense to demonize school to make it yeah. look like that. I want to talk for a second about the hypocrites coming out that are fighting against this because there's a lot of people that are fighting against it for many different reasons, but specifically Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder. And I don't know if you remember who Steven Crowder is. He's is he the, the gun guy. He's the jackass who has a fucking gun on him. The yeah. Whole time. In order in his own and, studio. And like Sam, what if somebody yeah. breaks what into if, my podcast whoa, studio and I got to shoot him? What if somebody bro, comes bro, down bro. to my basement? <laughs> like whatever, whatever dude. dude. In any case, I'm unsafe everywhere yeah, I go. It's like Jesus. That, All right, you that guy's such a freak, such a frail dude. But in any case, that guy and uh, and Ben Shapiro both posted sort of anti of paying this did. off. But then people went and found their PPP loans that were <laughs> forgiven. So seventy thousand dollars for Crowder, and I think fifty for Shapiro. They both Fucking applied for liars, it. liars. They got it. And then they got it forgiven by the government because the government- of course forgives. they did. And, 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 this is, and this is the thing is like, there's a couple of answers to this. One, if you're just a schmo, just a schmo, right? Like a regular schmo and you're upset about this and you have debt, then just refuse it, 
right? Like if you're, if you have this debt, if you, and you're yeah, right. genuinely opposed to it, then, then write a letter to the government and say, I oppose this. I am going to pay this back. You right. have that yeah. option, right. right? You have don't that take, option. Don't take the forgiveness. Don't take it, right? But the problem is, is that you will. You will because everybody will. Yep. There's no, there's no, you're a liar. There's, it's not like you're morally opposed to this. Yep. You're going to do it. You're just going to do it. And that's the thing. And, and the other people who are hypocrites, you know, there's so many different, and Biden even said this while he was, after he signed this, and someone asked him the question, and he said, well, is it fair that, you know, corporations get billions in tax cuts and you don't get to see that? Yep. Like, you don't get to see that either. There's plenty of money all around. This is, here's the thing that I want to tell everybody. This is your money. This I know. is your money, right? This isn't the government doesn't, There's this isn't fiat. This isn't somebody who's saying this was someone else's money and they get, these are federal loans. Where does the federal government get its money? It gets it from you. It gets it from me. It gets it from yep. all of us. This is our money. We can make these decisions with our money. Yep. And we decided to do it this way. Sometimes we make the decision to buy a stupid fucking plane that nobody uses. <laughs> Sometimes we make the decision to send large amounts of troops over to a place that we then pull them back yep. from. So we make these decisions with our money and we're making this one now. Yep. And it's it, like there are there are two there are two points to that that I want to emphasize. One is like those fuckers who are always opposed to entitlements always take yeah, the entitlement. Yeah, they do. Because of course yeah, you do. With me, it's different. It's not a matter, because like if you're willing to take the entitlement, it's not a principle. Yeah. You do not stand on principle. Yeah. So now we have to say, all right, if principle isn't the thing, now let's talk about practicality. Yeah. And if as soon as we move things away from principle and into pragmatism, then we have to say, you know what? Every dollar we invest in education returns more than one dollar back. Fucking A. So- Fuck you running. Yeah. You're always lying. You're always lying. You're every, just always. Yeah. Always. You're, you're lying. Right? Yeah. Lying. Yeah. It's lies. It's fucking bullshit. The, the other thing is like, there is a better uses argument. And yeah. I, and I started off with like, I acknowledge, I think there are better uses for this same volume of money, but we don't have access to those uses. Again, pragmatism. Yeah. This was done with the signature of one person making a decision. It's the president. We can't get those other things done. You, we like. Do I think it would be better overall? I think it would be better if everybody got to go to college for free. Yeah, that's what I fucking think. I think actually every dollar invested in education returns more than a dollar. It's good money spent. I think we live in a highly specialized, educationally required world, and it would just make sense to educate as many human beings in our planet as fucking possible. So if you're asking me, is there better uses? Yeah, I think we should use that money and a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody should pay yeah, for college. Sure. That's fucking ridiculous, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Pragmatism requires that we look at the world we fucking live yeah. in and what is actually possible. So don't, like, I am i can't. That better uses bullshit, fuck your better uses. Do you think it would have gotten done? Do you live in a world where we have, like, more than, like, the barest, slimmest fucking margin of Democrat. Yeah. We have 50. We need the fucking vice president yeah. to swing and in never, and like would never swoop in like Tarzan would never and vote. Go through. Would, would never, never go, through. go through. It has to be done this way. And 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 this is this is the other thing too. Whenever you're cleaning up a mess, it's never pretty. 
It's never no, a right. great use of money, right? It's not a great use of money exactly. when you have to spend money to clean something up. You know, when your fucking sump pump goes out and your fucking basement's flooded, you got to spend the money. Yep. It sucks, but you got to spend the money to fix that problem. This is a problem fixer. It is. This is fixing problems for millions of people across the nation. Millions of people woke up today with ten dollars or $20,000 less in debt. And that changes their whole perspective on how they spend, on what they spend, yep. on how they on how they put away for their future, on how they pay for their own children's colleges and, and educations. It changes so much. It's not glamorous money. It's no. not yeah, glamorous right. money. It's not, it's not a big, you know, uh facility where people can go to school for free. It's it's cleaning up a shitty mess that was made by Republicans 30 years ago when Reagan got in, 40 years ago when Reagan got yep. in office. That's what it is. So we'd like to thank our patrons. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Chase. Thank you very much, Thank you, Chase. Chase. We appreciate it. We want to encourage anybody who missed the book club. So we just recorded the book club this last week, another hour um, we finished Rise of the Warrior Cop and we Terrific talked about book. it. It was a great book. And we talk about it. Um, we basically give it about a two-hour review. There's one from earlier last month and one from this month. And uh, and we we finished the book and we spent a lot of time sort of going over what it talks about and the implications of what it talks some about. Some real good discussion, I and thought. I think some really good really discussions. Cool. If you're interested in it, you can go to patreon.com slash dissonancepod or you can go to uh, dissonancepod.com. Uh, and there's a there's a link for the patron there. So you can become a patron on a per episode basis and you get access to that episode. That's only for patrons. And we want to thank you patrons for uh, for being patrons and, and for helping fund these other little things that we get to do once in a while, sort of branch out and do something different. Um, we're going to be starting a new book this upcoming month. We're going to be talking to the patrons specifically to figure out exactly what we're going to be covering. Yeah, patrons get, you get a lot for being a patron. Uh, you get to support Ian's shitty baby. So yeah, let's, let's right. think about that. Absolutely. If you love Ian and his shitty baby, Absolutely. like you certainly, like you get to put food in his shitty baby's mouth. Um, but also you get you get our book club and you get input onto what we read. Yeah, right. So we really do pay attention to that. That's a smallish group of people compared to the overall sure the overall group. So yeah. you get you get real input into the direction of those shows. Yeah. And and you get to hear those shows. Other people don't get to hear yep. them. So exclusive. They're, they're exclusive for you guys. Yep. So we got an a voicemail that we do want to play. It's really good. It is. It's really good. Yeah. It makes a great point. Hi, guys. I want to thank you for continuing to cover the January 6th hearings. I know it's um, in everyone's mind still, but I think we should keep it there. It's especially important for me to have everyone not forget about that day because I was there and at early in the morning down by the White House and I actually got locked in my building that I was working at because people were trying to break in and pound on the doors and climb the walls. And I was locked there in my building for like three hours before I was able to be escorted out by police and able to leave the city. So it's definitely something that is not a great memory. And I think it's important that we all still remember how really, really tr traumatic and terrible that day was for a lot of reasons. Thanks for, thanks for the show. I enjoy listening to it. Yeah, that sounds genuinely terrifying. Yeah, man. Like I, I think there's a, there's a point there that there's a genuine human cost to the, yeah, to, or yeah, there's there's a price to be paid for the people that are you know they, they're just sort of like stuck, man. They're yeah. not they're not. This is not like a war between you know uh, warring sides that all chose yeah. to show up on this battlefield. No. When this sort yeah. of shit happens, 
it's like those who attack and those who are and traumatized. The bystanders and the people who were just like there. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult, difficult day. Um, we didn't get a lot of email this week, so we're not going to read much email, but we do want to thank Alice for coming on the show. How great was Dr. she? Dr. Alice, she's, she's smart, funny, um, really great person. We met her, like we talked about it five years ago when we yeah. went to uh, QED and she was great to meet in person. She's funny and, cl and clever and great to be around. And it was fun to talk to her yeah. again five years later. Um, and uh, we hope to have her on the show again. If you're interested in going to QED, you can go to the show notes and you can look at all the links for QED there. The GAM guys will be there. The Puzzle and the Thunderstorm guys will be there. Thomas Smith is going to be there with his show. Um, Lindsay, his co-host, is going to be joining him um, for a serious inquiries only. They're doing a parenting panel there. They are. Um, it's going to be um, uh, two ladies that I don't know, and then uh, Thomas Smith and Eli from the Dear Old Dads podcast Absolutely. that Tom is part of. And so there's a lot going on. Main stage, god-awful movies. And then Skeptics with a K is going to be there. It's going to be, it's a, gonna great be a great event. time. It's going to be great. And it's the I best could, skeptic event. It is. And if I could have made it this year, I was actually trying. Tom and I, I talked yep, about it. We did. I was planning on trying to make it, but it's just a little too hard this year to make. Uh, but we want to encourage anybody who's going to go, have fun, take photos, send them to us. Um, we're super excited to, uh, to help promote it. So uh, check it out. If you're in the area, or even if you're not, I know people from the States fly over there because it's that good. Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up for this week. We are going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.